0: Sometimes God calls us to leave everything and go on a journey. To leave from here and go there. And sometimes he calls us to go even when we don't know everything about it. We don't know the details. We don't even know how the mission before us is going to happen. And it's kind of like life. God calls us out of this world. He calls us to himself. He calls us to believe but he doesn't tell us the future of our lives. The question is, will we trust him in it? Will we follow him even when we don't know the details? Will we follow him when we don't know the future? And what will be the focus of the journey, of the mission? Will it even be a what, or will it be God himself? Because whether we stay or whether we go, God is calling us to worship him. God is on the throne. Welcome to an exegetical study of biblical scripture. This scripture is God's speech, God's story, written through the hands of men by his spirit. And it's all about God's glory. My name is Bryce Ferguson. Join me now as we go into the word. This is Genesis. The great charge before all of us, from God to all of us, is simply
1: to follow him. I say it simply because it is simple, and yet it's not. But
0: Jesus said, if anyone would come to me, he must come like a little child. How does a little child approach God? With simple faith. God says, believe, and a small child believes. They don't need to ask all the analytical questions of, well, I need to understand the science, and I need to understand the archaeology, and I need to understand the historical accuracy of this event in the Bible or of this genealogy in the Bible for me to believe
1: or this miracle in the Bible for me to believe. Jesus says, unless you come like a little child,
0: that you will not come in faith. And God is looking for his people, Old Testament, New Testament, today to respond in faith. God says it, will we believe it? God commands it, will we obey
1: it? God is the one who puts it forth. Will his people respond in faith?
0: Not because of who we are and because we are so good, because we are not good, but because of who God is and that he is good. We can respond in faith because of who
1: he is and because he is good. Let's pray. Wonderful God, the one who is worthy of all our adoration, the one who is fully trustworthy and true, the one who has been faithful from generation to generation, throughout the Old Testament,
0: from genealogy to genealogy, from generation to generation,
1: from century to century to millennium, God, you are always faithful. God, you are worthy. There is none who is worthy but you. There is none magnificent in glory but you. There is none trustworthy and true but you. May people marvel at your greatness. Marvel at your magnificence. Marvel at your grace and your mercy, your forgiveness and your loving kindness. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please open with me to Genesis 24. Last week, we read the charge that Abraham had given to his servant,
0: the oldest of his household, it says in verse 2, his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that Abraham had. So you could say this was his head servant, or the one servant of the most authority, And his charge to his servant in verse two was put your hand under my thigh that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell, but will go where? To my country, he said, and to my kindred and take a wife for my son, Isaac. The servant had said to him in verse 5, Perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? Which Abraham had never said. But the servant was questioning. The servant was wondering. And perhaps we all can relate when we are not 100% sure about the charge before us. And Abraham reaffirmed in verse 6, saying to him, See to it that you do not take my son back there. Why? Because the Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me, to your offspring I will give this land. The charge of the covenant. The mission of the covenant, part of the mission of the covenant. But definitely the parameters of the covenant, the promise of the covenant. Abraham says, God will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you shall be free from this oath of mine, only you must not take my son back there. The servant was questioning, the servant was wondering. It's so human to do. And yet at times, very much at times, it's at odds with faith. God says something and do we question? God says something and are we concerned about contingencies? But God is definite. And Abraham here in chapter 24 is following the Lord. He is following and he is seeking after the Lord and he has devoted his life now to the Lord and he is concerned about the things the Lord is concerned about. He is concerned about the parameters of this
1: covenant that the Lord came to Abraham and made with Abraham. And now we pick it up in verse nine.
0: So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. The servant had come full circle and the servant had come around to what Abraham was asking him to do. He accepts the command and he swears his allegiance
1: to carry this out. And this is the first sign of faith. Acceptance. He's accepting
0: what has been told him. Now it's very likely that this head of household servant of Abraham's had faith But at first he was concerned about a contingency, and now he is in agreement with Abraham. And he's swearing his allegiance to carry this out. This is an accepting of the charge before him from Abraham for the benefit of Isaac, which is really for the benefit of the whole household, the benefit of the family. And an affirmation of the covenant.
1: The whole household was of the covenant because
0: God had said it is the covenant of circumcision is for you, Abraham, and for your son, Isaac, and for every male born in your household, including all the servants of your household. God was making this beautiful, wonderful covenant relationship with Abraham and with his entire household
1: verse 10 What does the servant do next Then the servant took 10
0: of his master's camels and departed That's a big responsibility 10 camels for one man taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master and he arose and went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor and he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at the time of evening the time
1: when women go out to draw water. The servant is moved from accepting in faith
0: to the logistical preparations and the material preparations and the animal preparations of a journey. Abraham had charged him to go on a journey for the mission of bringing back a wife for his son, Isaac from the land of his kindred, the land of Mesopotamia. And now he responds in action. He sets out on the journey in action, and now, very quickly, he has already crossed approximately, again, as the scripture commentary notes, approximately 500 miles from Canaan back to Mesopotamia,
1: and he's outside the city. Verse 12. And he said, a mark change here. And he, he said, the servant said, Oh Lord,
0: God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love
1: to my master Abraham. The servant's praying. This is the first time
0: we see this. The servant is evoking faith through prayer. Again, perhaps he was a praying man. We don't have this recorded. What we do have recorded starts right here. Oh,
1: Lord. He acknowledges God for who he is. Oh, Lord, God, of my master Abraham. He
0: knows that God has made a covenant with Abraham. He knows that this covenant extends to Abraham's household, which includes him. And then what does he say? Please grant me success today. He asked for God's blessing on the mission. He asked for God's provision. He is not seeking to do it of his own will or his own volition. He's asking for God to provide. And it's not just for the reason so that the servant can have success. But why? It's because of the covenant. He says, to show steadfast love to my master, Abraham. The covenant, the family line of the covenant. The servant continues in his prayer in verse 13, staying a running transcript of what is taking place at the moment where he's standing. He says, Behold, I am standing by the spring of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Verse 14, let the young woman to whom I say, look at this. He starts with the word let. He's asking God to make it clear to him who it is that would be the one for Isaac. The one whom the servant should approach on the topic, the one whom the servant should present the living testimony, the story of Abraham's family, and about the man, Isaac. He says the word let. Perhaps presuming upon the, the will of the Lord, but he asked God with an imperative. It's not aggressive, but it is assertive. Let, let the young woman to whom I shall say, please let down your jar that I may drink, and who shall say, drink, and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love. To my master. The servant asks God for a certain response from the one, the right one, the one that God chooses for Isaac. And not even that she would proactively reach out to him for the unfolding, for the conversation, but from let the servant now says the he would initiate the encounter, the young woman to whom I shall say, Please let down your jar that I may drink. Also, the servant leading the conversation, but he's also holding back from what would be his responsibility. Because he himself was a servant. And in his traveling party, he was, he is the only one mentioned. Therefore, we can assume that it was one man, the servant, traveling with ten camels. So it would be his responsibility to water and feed himself, if you will, but also water and feed the ten camels and to prepare shelters. It's all on him, so the expectation for him journeying in this town, journeying wherever he's at, It's his responsibility, but he takes a step back in his preparation here. He holds back, and he is going to ask her. And what is going to be her response as he presents it? She to whom shall say in response,
1: drink for him, and I will water your camels. Yes, it may have been custom in the city of Nahor for the young women. It says here, the
0: daughters of the men of the city to go out to draw water in the evening. To not just to draw water for their own families, but to also show hospitality to strangers. But we don't know. But because of the servant's prayer and the way he articulates this request to God, it is my guess that while it was custom for the young women to come out in the evening to gather water for their own families, it was actually not common for abounding
1: hospitality to be shown above that unto strangers. Why? Because taking extra time to be generous to others,
0: it takes extra time away from you. Extra time that you would spend doing either other things, other chores, or for perhaps a lot of people relaxing and not doing anything. And because making extra effort to do something for another person or even in agricultural settings for other animals besides your own requires extra physical effort and energy coming from your own body, coming from your own mind. It requires this. And these are not common in the world today, at least not in the developed nations. And I don't gather that it was common even in the city of Nahor. But the servant uses the imperative again for a woman with a heart like this, who would take extra time away from her own life and take extra effort and expend extra energy of her own body for not just one more human drinker besides herself or her own family, but offer to supply water for his ten camels. He says, Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this
1: I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master Multiple things here. The servant bookends this with faith. That what Abraham
0: called him to do, that which was Abraham's focus, is now adopted by the servant. He says, Let her be the one whom you have appointed. God has appointed. God is the noun, the proper noun, Appointed is the action, the decisive action, the decision. He is looking to God for the provision. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. He is stating in faith that Isaac is not just a man, that Isaac is not a man on his own, that Isaac is God's servant. The servant is now reaching out in faith a prayer to God, asking God to lead, asking God to provide, not relying on his own intellect, his own power, his own charisma to find a wife for Isaac. He is here stating it plainly before God in a prayer with God that this will all only happen by the hand of God. And the servant closes the prayer that this be all, such as Abraham led forth because of the covenant in saying, by this I shall
1: know that you have shown steadfast love to my master, meaning Abraham. Look at this. He says it earlier in verse 12. He said, O Lord,
0: God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. And he closes it. By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. The servant is looking toward God. He is looking toward heaven. He's on the ground in Mesopotamia, in the city of Nahor. Watching these young daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water, and his prayer is toward heaven. He is oriented
1: toward heaven. He is seeking the Lord in this. How much time and physical effort would you give to someone on the fly simply when they
0: asked you in the moment? This is an interesting exercise. Say you didn't plan to set aside extra time in your day. It never is when it's a spontaneous request. You didn't have it on your schedule for a grueling workout that day that would utterly exhaust you physically if you were even able to carry it out. If it happened spontaneously, how would you give of your time and of your effort and of your, I'll say, resources? Look at what this servant was asking for a young woman to do. The chosen woman to do in this evening when the servant would encounter her at the well. She would be going to the well to draw water for her family to have enough water for likely a day. They come out in the evening, you can assume, every evening for the day. Perhaps this was two gallons of water. Depends on the size of the family. Depends on the water needs of the family. Perhaps it was eight gallons whatever they would need until the next evening. When the servant would ask her to draw water for him, it would be a request for, I don't know, perhaps a gallon. That'd be enough for him to have a drink or have enough water for the
1: evening and then to have enough water for the next day. Perhaps it was less. His prayer to the Lord requests that the young woman would be the one who would add
0: to the above mounts, already mentioned, drawing enough additional water for his 10 camels who had journeyed with him, again, approximately 500 miles from Canaan. Now, of course, there were water sources along the way. Now, I don't know when the 10 camels last had water access. And yes, a camel can live without water, for up to seven days in some conditions due to how camels mysteriously and miraculously store water. But that also means they can drink up to 53 gallons a camel at any given time. Now, that's a lot of water. 20 gallons is also common, but it just depends on how long it had been since the camel had last had any water to drink and how thirsty they were on this given evening. But let's just say it was 20 gallons each that they could drink or that they needed to drink times 10 camels. That's 200 gallons of water from the well. Or let's say it was 50 gallons each times 10 camels. That's 500 gallons from the well. This wasn't simply a but just a brief, just a, just a quick, just an initial request for a young woman to reply that she would gather one additional gallon for the servant, the man, to have a drink. The servant is making a bold request unto God and asks God to make it clear by the fact that this was a massive request
1: This was an an extraordinary request, if you think about it. Let's say the bucket or the animal skin that she had and the way that they could tie it and
0: get water from the well held about one gallon. That would be about 200 to 500 repetitions of lowering it into the well and raising it back up. Let's say it was up to a three-gallon-sized bucket. That would still be 67 to maybe three times that repetitions. And you might think that lowering a bucket and raising it back up into a well a few times is easy, and I would probably agree with you, but it takes a lot of time, probably an hour or two, and a lot of strength to do this 70 up to 200 or more times. And this would say not just something about this young woman,
1: this would testify to something fascinatingly unique and godly about her. Someone who sees generosity to a great extent, not to a common extent. Someone who sees hospitality as something that is a gift on any given day, that she is more than eager to give,
0: because there is something inside of her that loves generosity, that is compelling her to be generous that sees the great value in giving of herself, giving of her time. That her life on earth is not about her. That her life on earth is not about her making decisions for her so that she can be most comfortable. That she can rest on her laurels. That she's worked so hard that she deserves rest. That she deserves comfort. That she deserves things, material possessions, whatever it is.
1: There is something unique in her. There is something quite godly in this type of
0: mentality and willingness to give of yourself for another person, to give of yourself for others of God's creation. And by that, I mean the
1: 10 camels, but namely the servant. There is something abounding in generosity. There's
0: something abounding in grace. We talk about grace in our culture. We talk about someone who has grace. And perhaps that means, or if you watch movies, or at least from a bygone era, you would say that that person has grace because they they have their chin high. And perhaps they walk around with such etiquette. Or they're so esteemed, or they're so illustrious, uh, So therefore, they're of the elite or therefore they have such grace because they have they abide to so many customs. No, no, no. Let's look at it from a biblical example of
1: grace. God created the heavens and the earth. God created the greater light to govern
0: the day and the lesser light to govern the night, the sun and the moon and the
1: stars. He creates atmosphere and he creates oceans. He creates the land, the dry
0: land. He creates vegetation and animal life. And he gives these unto man for food. Every green plant for food, it says. And then later after the flood, he says, every living creature for food. God is abundantly generous toward mankind. God sees this great evil in mankind. We've already read about part of it in Genesis up to this point. And then we only see the sin problem continue from Genesis, the middle part of Genesis that we're in now, forward throughout the Bible. Why? Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And God, in his great generosity... God, in his great grace and mercy and loving kindness, sends his son, Jesus Christ, to earth to be born of a virgin in a stable, to live a poor and a humble life, pointing us to the Father, showing us what a life of worship unto God
1: looks like, showing us what it means to be gracious and to be merciful and
0: to love other people regardless of how much they're worth financially, regardless of whether they are quote-unquote beautiful physically or not, regardless of whether they are cultured or not,
1: regardless of if they have economic or social status or not. Jesus showed us, How to love all people the same. This is a gracious God. In His great love for us, He came to earth for
0: us. In His great love for us, He lived a godly and perfect life for us in humility, showing us how to love each other, regardless of skin
1: color, race language, creed, all the categories, and showed us how to love God the Father. Showed us how to choose God the Father over choosing
0: ourselves. Showing us how it is better to love and be generous unto other people rather than love and be generous, if you will, unto ourselves which is not really generosity. It's selfishness, which is the opposite of
1: generosity. We see in the prayer of the servant. We see a prayer focused in faith unto God. Some would say that he presumes upon the will of God
0: a bit here, and perhaps that he does, but his focus is unto the Lord. And if it is the Lord's will, then it will be done. And Abraham's focus is the Lord here and he is praying that it is the Lord's will because he does not want to take a wife for his son Isaac from the Canaanites because they are not believers. They don't have the same value set. He wants to be from his family and he sends a servant. The servant goes in faith. The servant sees the women coming out to the well and the servant
1: prayers an extravagant and bold prayer. And what happens next? As a servant is focused in faith, as a
0: servant is there, but he's looking heavenward in faith, what
1: happens next? A woman approaches the well. And we'll read about that next week. Let's pray. Great and great God
0: the one full of grace and mercy love and truth you are the one who has shown us grace you are the one who has shown us not just minimal grace not just a portion of grace but oh God you've shown us abundant grace You are the standard. You are the example. You show us how to live. Jesus, you have shown us how to walk on this earth in faith. You have shown us how to walk on this earth in humility before God. You have shown us how to walk on this earth in the obedience to God and to glorify God. Help us, God, by your Spirit to live in humility, to live in obedience, and because of you to have hearts that are transformed into generosity because of who you are and what you have done for us. We pray this all in the name of Jesus, amen. Join me next time as we continue in Genesis 24.